0: Hey, Sound Opinions listeners, if you support us on Patreon, you get to listen to our podcast ad-free on Patreon.
1: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and this week we'll talk with Jamila Woods about her latest album, Water Made Us. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg
0: Cott. But first, we're reviewing new music from Andre 3000 and M.J. Lenderman.
2: Yeah.
1: That is a little bit of Get Ready for This Title, (laughs) Greg. I swear I really wanted to make a rap album, rap in quotes, but this is literally the way the wind blew me this time. The opening track from the nearly 88 minute instrumental record uh solo debut from Andre Lauren Benjamin better known as Andre 3000 born and raised in Atlanta Georgia I don't even know if he needs much of an introduction for our audience Greg for a long time six super successful studio albums he was half of OutKast along with rapper Big Boy they've been uh basically split since 2007 And uh, Big Boy has been much more active as a solo artist than Andre. He pops up from time to time doing a guest uh, spot on other rappers' uh, recordings. He uh, has become a bit of an internet meme with his uh, handmade uh, flutes. He is a big fan flautist, <laughs> an enthusiast. Uh, he collects them. He plays them. He loves them. Uh, and now <laughs> on, on his uh, debut here, he uh, has given us uh, an ambient instrumental mm. flute album. Okay. Probably the most attention Andre 3000 has gotten for his flute was uh, he was uh, the flautist on the score for everything, everywhere, all at once. The 2022 film, he's been doing some acting in between, too. I don't think anybody anticipated no. this as uh, Andre 3000's solo debut. Let's hear a little of it. Um, there's no lyrics, right, from one of the uh, most famous and certainly many people would say greatest rappers in the history of hip-hop, so he made up by giving very, very long titles uh, to every instrumental track, all eight of them. As I said, nearly 88 minutes. Let's play a little bit of the closing track on the album. The album, by the way, is titled New Blue Sun. Uh, Another long one here. Dreams once buried beneath the dungeon floor slowly sprout into undying gardens by Andre 3000.
0: That is a little bit of dreams once buried beneath the dungeon floor slowly sprout into undying gardens.
1: Whew. Wow. Yeah, that's a mouthful. There's that's a lot,
0: of, a lot of words in the song titles, as yes. you m- mentioned. Uh, eight tracks, 80 plus minutes of music with no words, no, uh, no rapping from one of the great rappers of the last 30 years, right? As yeah. you mentioned. Andre 3000, his debut solo album, New Blue Sun. Uh, I don't think anybody expected this. So Andre 3000 has one of the most distinctive hip-hop personas of all time. I mean, immediately, like you recognize his voice as soon as you hear it. Well, obviously his vocals aren't here at all. um, And he does a really good job of disappearing into this record. He's sort of being subsumed by this ambient, uh, you know, atmosphere that he's creating here. You know, no dilettante, as you alluded to on the on the flute. He's been studying this and playing it for a number of years. Yeah. And he's working with some of the best people in this genre of uh, ambient music. Um, Carlos Nino, the keyboardist, has just made a you know, many, many records over the decades. Well, he's the in producer a producer vein, yeah. right, and he I, plays I, the I, keyboards.
1: I got it in circus, I forgot to say it up top, how they met. Yeah. This, this is too good to be true. They were both shopping in uh, oh, yeah. a really super high-end L.A. health food store yeah. at the kombucha bar.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such an L.A. cliche, right? And there you go. But, you know, he's been working with this fellow, Carlos Nino, and as well as his keyboard is Surya Botafasina. Sorry about uh, butchering that name, but he actually released, Surya released this 2022 LP, Everyone's Children, that is considered a masterpiece within this genre of music. Yeah. Uh, so these are people who know what they're doing. If you sort of triangulated those Eno-esque ambient records... And one of those new-age records that used to show up in the record stores for mood music, like mood You know, mood music for drinking Chardonnay by a sunset. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, then, and then a little bit of that spiritual jazz, you know, Alice yeah. Coltrane, that yeah. sort of vibe. If you triangulate those three different areas, that's something of what this sounds like. ¶¶ I am not an expert in this area of music. I've listened to some of these records, there's a sameness to them. Yeah. I think that's part of the thing. It's supposed to be transient, and hypnotic and soothing and, uh, you know, it's not assaulting you in any way. It can be played almost anywhere, anytime and not offend anyone. Uh, I'm disappointed that uh, Andre decided to make his comeback with this. But he's been so funny about the thing that, you know, saying, I don't think I have anything more to say right. that would appeal to the hip-hop audience. What am I going to do, rap about my colonoscopies, you know? Uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's going like, to be 49 <laughs> yeah. in May, Which, right? You know, and now he's like, I'm done. I'm yeah. retired. This is too much of a uh, just okay thing. I, I think yeah. it's fine. I think he could have used an edit- editor like Miles Davis had Teo Machero come in and sort of edit, yeah. sculpt some of these songs. Somebody like Micaiah McCraven, oh yeah, you know, right. would have done a really nice job of maybe sculpting some of this into um, something that could have been really cool. I just think
1: at eight, eight tracks, eighty minutes, a little bit too much of an okay thing, as I said. I'm shocked at how many good reviews this is getting. I think people just love Andre he's, 3000. He, he's and a
0: beloved figure in hip hop, yeah, yeah, no of doubt. course.
1: But you know, the people who are raving about it have never listened to ambient music. Right now. Brian, Eno, Godfather of the genre, uh, although he was the first to point out on discrete music that it had existed before him, he cited the classical composer Eric Satie uh, for saying uh, Satie uh, tried to make music that would mingle with the sound of the knives and forks at dinner, <laughs> and Eno further defined ambient as music that rewards close attention but does not demand it. Um, he told me personally once that one of the proudest things in his life is the number of women who told him that uh, his ambient efforts were the soundtrack to them giving birth mm-hmm. okay right i don't know if this is birthing music i don't, I don't know could be it, know. It, it could be um it it's just you know i'm going to go to thursday afternoon or any of you know music for airports uh, by eno before i go to this again and i don't know uh, I don't know why people are just so glad. It's like, yeah, it's a great story, uh, but he could have done this in a TikTok video uh, showing us his flutes and telling us the story because the best thing about it really is is those uh, long song titles. Of
2: course I know we are so small I put it in perspective But still I can't help believe that someday
0: a little bit of the track live jack from the new mj linderman record and the wind parentheses live and loose exclamation point yeah mj linderman uh if you don't aren't familiar with that name uh do recall that jim and i were very high on his band's uh last record wednesday's rat saw god mm-hmm. uh, he is the guitar player in that band a fantastic band it is. He is a longtime partner with the Wednesday lead singer and primary lyricist Carly Hartzman. She was a guest on our show a few months ago. Now it's MJ's turn. She was raving about her partner's record, MJ's record, yeah. when we talked to her. And he is one of those up-and-coming figures in that Asheville, North Carolina scene. You know, that sort of country slash rock scene that has spawned uh, bands like uh, Drive-By Truckers. Mm-hmm. You know, Jason Isbell is a member of that, uh, you know, kind of wide spectrum of artists who are sort of trafficking in this kind of sound. Uh, very Neil Youngish. Sort of influence in his music, I would say. Uh, Lenderman has made uh, several solo records. This is the latest one. It's basically a compendium of songs from his earlier recordings, done live and loose, as it, as the title says, from concerts in the summer of 2023. He just signed a record deal with Anti Records, and he is prepping a new studio album, which will be the next chapter. Of his career, but uh, here's a little bit of the new record, the live album that he just released, and The Wind Live and Loose. It's a track called Knockin' on Sound Opinions.
2: Her love for me is real, she gives what she has to give.
1: That is knocking from Mark J- Jacob Lenderman. Uh, kind of a, a you know an introductory record. Greg and the Wind Live and Loose. Um, he's he's saying you know I've made three solo albums. Here's some of the best songs delivered live. Apparently a big band, uh, mm-hmm. eight-piece band, uh, partly recorded here in Chicago at Lincoln Hall, uh, partly at the Lodge Room in Los Angeles. It's a good time. It's just not a great time. You know, I'm seeing a lot of comparisons to other roots country uh, artists, all of whom are great songwriters. MJ Lenderman is, uh, is a heck of a rocker, but not much of a writer. You know, um, here's a typical lyric I think Dan will be all right, for he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he's singing about Dan Marino. Right,
2: right. <laughs> but I think Big Dan.
1: You know, he, he's singing about his friend's boat. He's singing about having a hangover. <laughs> you know, he he doesn't have a lot to say, but the band kicks some serious butt. Apparently, it's so big uh, because he just can't tell any of his friends who want to play with him no. Um, You know, it's fun. I would have rather have been at the show. Uh, Generally, we don't review live albums on the show because they're souvenirs for the fans, right? Uh, And and they're just meant to plug a hole in an artist's catalog. I think uh, Lenderman is intending this, uh, certainly Anti is intending it as an introduction. Hey, you Mm. know about uh, his partner's band, Carly's band, right, Wednesday, and he's in it. Uh, Here's this other great band. And it's an okay band, right? But give me Kurt Vile any day. He's been a, a guest several times on this show. I think his slacker, Garage Rock, uh, is, is more substantive in the end. He makes it seem so casual, as we've said when we've interviewed him. But there's substance there. There's songwriting. There's thought. There's uh, content. And MJ Lenderman is just music to drink beers by. Well, there's
0: nothing wrong with drinking beers to this music. You nailed it. I mean, I think it is bar band music. You're either at a, in a garage making this music or you're at a honky-tonk. He's sort of splitting the difference between garage rock and, you know, a, a kick-ass uh, honky-tonk band, right? Uh, there's that pedal steel in there. That's the reason I'm, I'm bringing up that reference point. He definitely has a bit of a country influence in it. And that adds a certain element of pathos to some of those songs. Yeah. There's also a sense yeah. of humor. Uh, th- that song Knockin' that I uh, that we just played, uh, you know, in which he's imagining this golfer, John Daly. And I guess if you don't know who John Daly is, which I you'll don't. kind of miss the joke. But he's I don't kind know of this, who Dan Marino is. Right. And it's it kind of like there's, the you know, these kind of sports references that he's very high on. But it's a funny song if you know anything about John Daly. And there's also path, pathos in it, too, sort of built around the conceit that uh, John Daly's trying to sing Dylan's knocking on Heaven's door, right? But he's kind of making up his own lyrics to it, and <laughs> you know, and it, and it's, and they do rock pretty hard on this record. And you know, you want to crack open a cold one and be in a smoke-filled bar back in the '90s when you listen to this record. Thinking, but you're you know, not going to remember a single song afterwards. You, you know, it, 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 as you said, I think it's a, it's meant to be an introduction because if you listen to these songs in their original incarnation, they're lo-fi bedroom recordings, right? And they're not super impressive. This record just brings those songs to life. And I'm
1: curious about what he may do next, but I'm really looking forward to the next Wednesday. But I'm seeing comparisons (laughs) between this album and Live Rust by Neil Young. I mean, it's like, no, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what we thought of the latest by MJ Lenderman and Andre 3000. Honest, just because it's been 10 degrees uh, or lower in Chicago for a week, it's not like we're grouchy. We want to hear from you. Make the case for these albums or make the case for anything on your musical mind. Leave us a voice message on our website, soundopinions.org. When we return, a conversation with an artist we are very excited about, the multi-talented Jamila Woods. That's coming up on Sound Opinions. Sound Opinions is sponsored by Factor. Factors ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success. Skip the grocery store, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options. Factor now offers additional options like breakfast, smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep you
0: going no matter what's on the schedule. When things get hectic, Factor is flexible.
1: Change your order up every week or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. So if you want to try Factor and make your life easier, here's what you need to do. Head to factormeals.com soundops50 and use code soundops50 to get 50% off. That's
0: code soundops50 at factormeals.com soundops50 to get 50% off. Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island. Since 1988, Goose Island's been brewing beers in the spirit of Chicago.
1: You can find IPAs, Lemonade Shandy, and limited releases in-store or at one of Goose's venues in Chicago. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. And we are back. This week, we have the pleasure of being joined by one of our favorite artists from right here in Chicago. Jamila Woods is a poet, a songwriter, a singer, an activist, and so much more. She released her third studio album, Water Made Us, in October of last year, and she's consistently making some of the most thoughtful, warm, and engaging music today. And we are thrilled to welcome Jamila Woods back to the show. Jamila, welcome.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Been a long time. 2017, we sat together last. Yeah, that's right.
3: Uh, yeah, that has been a while. <laughs>
1: Well, and that was right
0: after the debut album got reissued. Uh, fantastic work there. And uh, we're pleased to have you back on your third studio album, Water Made Us. You know, you've been mentioning the roots of this particular quote, Toni Morrison. Um, and I thought, initially I thought, oh, was that, a, uh, was that a book? And then I realized it was a speech, right, that she gave at in, uh, in New York, I believe, like circa 1986. And yeah. it's, it's a great quote. So talk about the inspiration there.
3: Yeah, so in the quote, she's talking about the memory that water has and how there's certain places in the Mississippi River where People have straightened out the river to make room to build and the river keeps flooding. And she says it's an act of remembering and that that's how writers are. We're kind of always retracing our steps and kind of using memory as this means of traveling to the source of, you know, what what those experiences meant to us. And so when I was writing the song Good News, That's one of those quotes that kind of lives forever in my mind. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of referencing it in that lyric that says, um, the good news is water always runs back where it came from. The good news is water made us. Kind of, I feel like the whole project is this experience of me, kind of looking back on the loves that I've had and kind of the the things that I've learned about myself and my heart and my patterns and behaviors through that. So it really felt like a fitting title for the whole project.
0: Interesting territory for you because you are primarily known up till this point for you know the social consciousness, the political dimensions of of your work. You're looking outward commenting on the world around you and how you fit in. And and this is a record that seems to be much more inward looking.
3: Yeah, to me, I see, I don't see them as so separate, you know, like, I feel like all of my projects have been a lot about love, you know, whether it's love of self, love of community, love of black people, love of Chicago, you know, it's like, always love at the center of everything that I do. And I think that um, there's also such an inward component to social consciousness as well, because how we care for ourselves, you know, that's reflected outward always. And I think, you know, bell hooks passing during the Mm. process of me making this was also a really great um, moment for me to see her impact, you know, everyone sharing what she's meant to them and, you know, what she's meant to me. And it was kind of just an affirmation of, you know, because it can feel a bit, you know, it it did feel a bit different, you know, self to be so inward focused. And I was like, oh, is anyone, does this matter? You know, Mm -hmm. and I think the moment of um, kind of revisiting her work was a great affirmation to say like, no, this is actually incredibly important and also so relevant to, you know, everything going on around me all the time
1: well you know the first couple of times i listened to it um uh, warner made us uh, jamila i was like is she okay is she doing okay are you okay <laughs> and then i came to realize as i took like each line apart i mean this is um uh, you know brian eno said in the early 70s the last thing the world needs is another pop song much less an album about love but it strikes me that this is one of the most mature, uh, nuanced looks at, at relationships um, that I've ever heard. I mean, you're, you're talking like an 85-year-old grandma on the back porch giving <laughs> advice to grandsons and granddaughters about what relationships are and how they are work. Right? You need, they need practice. That was the song that really opened up the whole album to me. Practice, right? Nobody mm-hmm. tells you that. Just like you bring the baby home mm-hmm. from the hospital, they don't tell you, okay, there's no manual here. This is going to be a lot of work. You're going to need to ask everybody you know. And they don't tell you that I'm, I'm recording on my 20th wedding anniversary, right? That's 20 years of joy and 20 years of work.
2: What's are talking about practice. about about
3: yeah I, I love that you said that about the grandma because I I was raised in part by my grandma so I feel like I do have a sort of old spirit to me but I also was thinking a lot about intergenerational lessons with this album too and like the ways that we learn love from what we witness and what we are passed down um, through our parents and our families. One of the lessons I I learned on this album was actually from an astrology reading that I got was like, don't worry so much if everything is true to you. Like if everything literally happened to you, if it's coming through you, it's going to resonate with someone. And it's like an important lesson. So I think I leaned into that As well. And, you know, I also think a lot about the life of songs. And, you know, I think I've experienced a lot of things in relationships that do make me upset or frustrated or angry. But the songs that made it onto the project, I think were kind of this aspirational, kind of the aspirational lessons that I'm learning and still learning, and that I want to be able to, when I'm singing, when I'm touring, um, still feel like there's something I'm reaching towards.
1: Yeah, because the focus is more on what you carry forward from all the Mm -hmm. places you've been right and not in a preachy way or an educating way some bad experiences have made you a better person today some good experiences well maybe i needed that maybe i didn't right i mean it's a real (laughs) ruminating kind of album and you've said that part of it was the result from sitting for two years in the house with nothing to do another (laughs) covid album
3: (laughs) yeah Yeah, and I have to say, I wasn't, it wasn't instant. Like, I definitely had a whole year of like wandering and not knowing what I was doing. But kind of when I emerged, I did have, you know, so much that I had been journaling about and just things I talked about in therapy or had astrology readings about that it felt like that was my material. And I had become so accustomed with Legacy, Legacy, my past album of like, having a source material, transmuting it into a song. And so I think with with this album, it was kind of a, once I figured out what I was doing, it was, you know, when I look back at it, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. Because now I've just used used myself as the material this time.
0: Hmm. Yeah, you know, Jim was saying that he was worried about you. And I had sort of an opposite reaction when I (laughs) started listening to it, when I heard the song Bugs, which is the first song on the record, I just laughed at about it. And I also recognize myself in that song. Uh, oh. And I think everybody, you know, it's, it's a personal record, but it's universal in, in a lot of what you're talking about. Like part of the work that Jim was describing that you are describing uh, in a relationship includes sometimes overlooking that something that somebody else does that you love bugs you. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? and, yeah. I go, and I go, that is so right on, you know, and you have to work <laughs> through that. Sometimes you go, okay. This bugs me, but I love this person more than the stuff that's bugging me, so let's just chill out about the whole thing. Maybe I need to relax, you know, and vice versa. I'm sure there's loads of stuff that I do that bugs them. (laughs) And you recognize yourself in it, right? So um, putting that out there, that's just like, I've never really heard that expressed so eloquently in a a song. And here it is.
2: (laughs) Please be patient with me Ooh, I know I'm juicy
0: Will I ever So I'm, I'm just curious of, you know, where that came from. What was the initial kernel of the idea? Was that a poem that you were working on or just you were ruminating? Tell me how that song uh, emerged.
3: Yeah, it, it really came from experience and some of the teachers I was reading about love and just this idea of, you know, how much pressure we put on ourselves or societal ideas put on us to find the perfect person for you the one for you and to kind of look out for red flags you know like and, and that's all very real there's all you know that's that comes from an important place but it can make for me it was becoming too constricting and i couldn't enjoy the person that i was with because i was too you know i think because i've had hard relationships in the past, I was very vigilant for these things, and I think that was such a great lesson to be like, okay, what do I actually appreciate you know can I lower the stakes of you know this needing to be that person can I just enjoy Mm -hmm. this person for who they are and let them enjoy me and learn from this like what I like what I don't like Um, and when that becomes the goal more like the learning and the kind of like you know self reflection then it's like oh well it's fine (laughs) you
2: know it's Mm -hmm. okay they
3: don't have to like all the things I like we don't have to you know we can we can be individual people kind of coming together
2: lower the stakes of your love why so much pressure why not have pleasure on your way to the one or the second one or the third love is the warmest weather why not open the windows feel the sun on your skin
3: and i like that you said you laughed because one of the goals that i had too like i was sitting with some of my friends after my second album and they were like jamila you're funny like your album that doesn't really come through um so that was um something that i wanted to have a, come through a bit more on this one
0: yeah that's beautiful because uh, yeah you're right humor you're not necessarily associated with that but obviously you, yeah. you you have that ability the other thing that really got to me was that send a dove uh hmm. moment nikki giovanni uh, hmm. responding to james baldwin i guess right um, mm-hmm. wh- where did you pull that from? What what made you feel that this is, needs to be a part of this record?
3: Yeah, this was really a, a great collaboration between me and Peter Cottontail and McClenney. Um, and so me and Peter had written Send a Dove together, and it was really about like being in the argument space and something that come has come up so much for me is like the way that people speak to each other. Because, you know, some people are raised in households where you just yell at each other. And that's like, just, you know, you love each other still, but you're just yelling. And some people are like, oh my gosh, if you yell at me, <laughs> I will completely shut down. And so that's kind of a, the send a dove, you know, referencing the Noah's Ark story of like, can we just have a moment of peace. Can we like talk on the same level? Can we meet here? And then McClenney had the idea to kind of open up the song and kind of uh, almost like in a play, like a moment of like soliloquy in the middle of the song to kind of talk about the other side, you know, because the more that I've learned about being in relationship with especially masculine people who are really can be really aggressive, like there's vulnerability underneath that anger. And so kind of a moment of like speaking to that and witnessing that um, and say, still saying that I, I would like to be treated differently, but I also see where you're coming from.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about um, uh, working with McLane? produce much of the album, co-writing credit on some songs, right?
3: Yeah, he um, we, we were co-executive producing the album together. And really, I had a, a year or so of working with many different producers like Wynn Bennett, Alicia Benveniste, Peter, um, Gia Margaret. And then I connected with McClenney after working on Zoom. We met on Zoom um, during the lockdown era. And so we kind of had this friendship built digitally already. And then when we started working together, I brought him the songs that I was liking so far. And we together came up with this idea of like, can we make this cycle of songs sound like we're flowing through the phases of a relationship. Can it feel mm. like that that's the journey? And so what songs do we have already and what parts of the relationship do we need to write songs for? Um and so we ended up writing Wolf Sheep together and also practice was the very last song that mm. we wrote because we were like, we know we know what this song needs to be about. We know it has to be called practice, but we don't know how it sounds. Um and so that was like a big project. and I'm really excited with how it came out and he was just such a great person to work with because we're both really detail oriented and we love like order and like finding the perfect order and flow Mm -hmm. of things well and the album
1: does tell a story i wanted to jump back to where we started tony morrison and uh Mm -hmm. and you mentioned bell hooks Mm -hmm. you know um your work with young chicago authors and your work as a poet and your work As someone who loves words, you know, which should be obvious by this point in the interview, even for people who aren't from Chicago and don't know your your community activism here. Do you ever think we'd wind up at a time where Morrison is being banned from some high Mm. school book classes? I mean, what is going on, Jamila?
3: Yeah, I mean, it happens so often. I think it just speaks to the power of her work. And that's something I really admire about her is not only her work is brilliant and so poetic and you know just so inspiring to me but also i love listening to her speak because it's mm-hmm. so clear that her work comes from from her you know i just i love artists where it's like when you get to the source just them like just them talking about their ideas and her her thoughts on race and just on you know how to be a socially engaged human Um, are always such a source of inspiration for me and it's unfortunate that you know I mean I I hope that I mean I know there's probably still schools that are that are banning her books now but yeah she I'm always bringing I was always bringing her into the classroom when when I was teaching and um, I know many people do too
0: yeah well the follow-up question is you know do you have time to do that sort of thing write poetry teach uh, activism I mean obviously your musical career is taking off in recent years but when I first met you, you were involved in all of that stuff. You were like the most multitasking person I'd Juggling ever met. Many balls. Um yes. are you still able to do some of that or do you miss not being able to do it? Where where are you at in terms of all that other stuff that you've done?
3: I don't know how I was doing all the things I was doing. I mm. think like for a lot of us, like the the lockdown, it made me reflect a lot about like capacity and, you know, making time for rest. Um So I was really working a full time job up until then. And now I think like part of me wanting to include poetry on the album was this effort to kind of bring together the things that I do. And although I'm not teaching in classroom spaces anymore, I'm still thinking about, you know, ways to teach, you know, on my own, like whether that's through like online classes or I'm always still in touch with like young people, young artists who I'm mentoring or you know have built relationships with through yca um and yeah i think i'm i'm envisioning a sustainable way to do all the things and sometimes that means doing one thing at a time (laughs) so Mm -hmm. yeah focusing Mm -hmm. focusing Mm -hmm.
1: All right. Besides practice, the other song that broke the album wide open for me was "Thermostat," and part of it is the most Chicago song ever. Right? <laughs> what do you keep yeah. your thermostat on when it's forty degrees out? Yeah. What do you put it on when it's when it's you know ninety eight? Right? Your answer yeah. is seventy two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which isn't that is extravagantly <laughs> warm. You still got to wear your hoodie maybe inside, right? But it isn't uncomfortable. What, what yeah. was the metaphor of the thermostat? I just love that.
3: Yeah. The metaphor of the thermostat is, again, that sort of, you know, how are we speaking to each other? You know, you're coming in hot. Like, I need <laughs> you to bring it down <laughs> to mm-hmm. 72. And, you know, I think the sort of, like, I, I was thinking a lot about, like, attachment styles, too, and, like the avoidance you know that can come or like the shutting down um that can be read as cold you know so it's kind of like how can we find uh, a a middle ground and yeah and literally also how can we <laughs> decide on how we're gonna sleep <laughs> through the night what temperature
2: keep it on 72, 72. that's what we do
1: You know, in in the many things that take practice in a relationship, finding where to put the thermostat is definitely one. (laughs) Yes. When we come back, more of our conversation with Jamila Woods. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions. Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island. Since 1988, Goose Island has been brewing award-winning beers in Chicago that are inspired by this city. Take 312 Lemonade Shandy, Tropical Beer Hug Double IPA, and a rotating series of hazy IPAs only available in Chicago. Uh, you know, every time we go down to the Goose Island, there's another one that they're pushing on us. That's right. You and know, they're all good.
0: Absolutely. And uh, what supporters of, of musical culture, you know, in, in the city of Chicago and elsewhere, uh, if you go to a show in Chicago and you see that Goose Island uh, sign, you know, you know you're in good hands. Uh, they're music fans as well as great uh, beer makers at Goose Island, so we're really proud to be associated with
1: them. The Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer.
2: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like Forge FX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at metacom slash impact.
0: And we're back. This week, we're talking with the multi-talented singer, songwriter, and poet, Jamila Woods. Let's get back to the conversation. The other song uh, I'd like to talk about is, uh, well, it's not really a song. It's a spoken word piece. Uh, I miss all my exes. You know, and just the my uh, conversations with women about your album, um, they've focus on this song a lot (laughs) and uh it's a remarkably generous song because you're talking about when you break up with somebody your tendency a lot of people's tendency i would imagine is just to try to forget about it and move on right uh because it, it ended for a reason right but you're saying in this song that hey let's remember the good stuff there was a reason we were attracted to this person and uh let's remember that part of it uh was there any particular motivation for for bringing that kind of uh thought into our, our thinking about relationships?
3: Yeah, I um, the way that I got to this poem was, I was kind of struggling with how to write poems, because I hadn't in a while, but there's a, a form of poetry called ekphrastic poetry, mm. where you write a poem inspired by another form of art. So I took the song Still, which is a song later on the album, where it's like almost like that frustrating feeling of when you can't get over an ex and you're like, OK, I, by the end of the song, it's like, I get it. OK, you're. it's not going to go away. I'm not over you yet. And it's still a little frustrated with that. Um, and so in the poem, I was like, OK, if I rewrote this song as a poem, what if, you know, especially I was writing it later, you know, months after I had written the song, I was like, Feeling a bit different about, you know, some people and just appreciating more the things that stay with me, you know, the random things that reminded me of someone throughout the day, whether I'm like just in the middle of washing dishes or walking past someplace where we used to see movies, you know, what pops into my head and feeling pleasant. You know with those memories
2: burn mixtape CDs cook veggie burgers with Lowry's lemon pepper everything who recite plots of movies oil my scalp massage my neck who remind me to wear my bonnet who wear my bonnet brush teeth with me pray for me bring me a cool glass of water in the mornings who smell like cannabis smoke argan oil rose water sweat who bring me two kinds of flowers, who bring homemade salads to my grandma's house, who wash her dishes after... So I wanted to write a poem that
3: kind of spoke to the parts that don't ever leave you, you know, the parts that stay with you and how, you know, I know I've left parts of myself with other people that, you know, uh, will always be with them. And so kind of to be an alternate narrative to like, oh, that's my toxic ex, you know, like, can, mm. can there be things that also changed you or stayed with you and can it's okay to miss those things, you know, mm-hmm. just like you said, the narrative is always like the goal is to be over it. Um, but if that's not always possible, <laughs> at least right away, how can there also be an affirmation of, you know, what, what you want to keep or what you want to remember?
2: Who have too many pairs of shoes, who meditate with me, who yell too loud, who drink too much, who finesse the government, who take good photos of me? Why I look at the camera like I'm in love? Why I always stay longer than I should?
1: Yeah, because there was some reason in the first place that you got involved in that mm-hmm. relationship. And yeah. why why focus on all the negative? Although, you know, Taylor Swift has done pretty well doing that, right? <laughs> I, I kind of feel like there's a generation out there, Jamila, that needs uh, uh, this album to balance the Taylor mm. X's songs. Mm.
3: Well, I also think about like <laughs> the capacity that you, like the, the love that you had for someone speaks to the capacity of love that you have within you. So, you know, like how how hard you love someone isn't only about that person. It's about, you know, mm-hmm. how much you opened yourself. And so I think of that song also as like a celebration of that, too, of how of how mm-hmm. deeply that the connection um, I was able to have with those people.
1: Mm-hmm. The pure musical textures on this album are so uh, rich and, and enticing and luxurious. How are you going to tour it?
3: Ooh, this is a question. Um, this is why I'm not touring till February because I, I had a feeling I would need time. <laughs> the the
1: twelve-piece band or what? What are you yeah. hoping to do?
3: Yeah, yeah we're. It's still going to be my my same four-piece band, um, but you know we're getting really creative with how to represent the songs live. So yeah, I'm still figuring it out, but I know that I still want the journey to be intact. You know, I still want the mm-hmm. show to feel like you're going through the journey. So.
1: Are you going to try to play it as, as a concept album?
3: I don't know if it'll literally be like, you know, first song to last song, mm-hmm. but thinking of like past songs that I've written that have to do with the topic of love, bringing those in, doing like allusions to songs that, mm-hmm. I, that I love, you know, tying in those things, keeping some of the spoken parts. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, kind of a collage like that.
0: Well, it's uh, fascinating that you're still thinking about albums, too, because this is an album that works as a whole. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, That's in your DNA, too, it seems. Like, I can't uh, can't imagine you not making a record like that. What motivates you to think in those terms as opposed to, like, what's the single going to be?
3: I feel like it's just the way that I'm wired, you know? Like, I just am always, like, searching for a story, even if it's a, you know, disjointed, you know, even if it's a bit abstract, like I'm always like, what is the narrative or what is the journey that's happening? And I think um, I actually did start out the process of the album um, with a lot of goals, like more like like structural goals, like oh, I want a lot of features on this album, or I want a lot of singles on the radio, you know. And I started out like going on sessions with new producers, trying to write as many songs as I could, so I could do the whiteboard thing mm. where you write the hundred songs you wrote and you narrow it down. And I just didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I, I, like months into it, I was like, why am I not enjoying this? And I was like, oh, because I don't know my prompts, I don't know the story. So I learned a lot about myself, um, also through that process, myself as an artist and what what excites me about the process of album making. So I think by the time I realized that, I just leaned further into it, <laughs> mm-hmm. which, which is good.
0: Well, and, you know, you came up uh, alongside, we've talked about this before, and I think there was some element of a group of people who are making really exciting music in Chicago of the same generation around the same time you know obviously you know the you know the players you know whether it was Saba or No Name or Chance uh, an incredible array of artists um, that were doing similar things uh, different but at the same time kind of motivated by the same kind of goals Um, do you think that period of time had any kind of impact on how you chose music as a career and the way you you chose to approach it or was it um, every woman for herself at that time. I'm I'm curious about how much of collaboration was going on and just in terms of conversations you were having outside of the music space with with people like that.
3: I think exactly that word, collaboration and conversation, I think um, was a really natural thing that I think I didn't realize how, you know, it's not in every city that the scene feels that way. Um, And I think especially because I was in poetry and, you know, there's like this way where the poetry spaces were also the spaces where like, you know, rappers would come, singers would come. And I think there was also like this idea of like music should be free, you know, mm-hmm. And so that was yeah. definitely all in my head when I was, um, you know, in my band. I had a band before I did my first album. And then when I did Heaven, I was like, it has to be free. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that was like really cool that I, you know, with closed sessions was able to do that. And then I think expanding the idea of like, you know, why do I want it to be free? Because I want it to be accessible. And then Jag Jaguar kind of coming in and saying, well, we want it to be accessible to more people. So (laughs) can we sell it? And I was like, "Okay, I get it. Um, So I think it's it's definitely still still things around like even like what is a show, you know, like what what does a show feel like? You know, I, I think also more not just like a concert, but like You know who's tabling like what current events could be tabling at the show Mm -hmm. or like what local vendors could be tabling at the show like there is something i think that comes from me working in community organizing or you know youth programming that is always still in my mind when i'm planning uh like a live event so yeah there's a lot of things that i think uh impact the way that i look at the music industry and what i want to do in it that come from chicago Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Well, Jamila, we always love your deep musical knowledge. You album lover still. Uh, so give us give us a record that I'm, at this day and time you can't live without. One for the desert island jukebox.
3: Oh, that's a really good question. I really love Namdi's album. Oh. Um, Please have a seat. Yeah, mm-hmm, his recent mm-hmm. album. Yeah. I've been listening to that a lot. How yeah, did you get I turned
1: love... on to, to Namdi?
3: Um, that's a good question. I know. I you know. Kaina and Sen Morimoto, like they all make music, and Kara Jackson, they work together. So I think them talking about him. um, And then his previous album, too, I just love the way that he will like self reference himself within his albums. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I was actually playing some of his albums to McClenney because, you know, he'll have this refrain that he sings, and then later, like a choir will sing it, like in a Mm -hmm. totally different tempo. Um, So we were playing with some stuff like that. and yeah, he's a great performer. Yeah. Um, kind of like yeah. his
1: own algorithm. <laughs> I'm
0: giving
3: yeah. You.
1: Mm-hmm. Up next, mm-hmm. you might like. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love it.
0: So the the whole album is that is that what you're suggesting, or is there a particular track that oh, really resonates with like you? I like the
3: song "Armor."
1: Nothing that bad Like I'm Jackie nobody passed to me Gobble like When I'm the phone Is you fucking Shine like a beacon It's me so often You can cram de la cram while I sweet on them I'm so spoiled
3: a friend Yeah, I think it's the opener song Uh-huh Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh-huh.
0: What, what is it about that one That's in, in particular?
3: I think it's like It feels like a great fusion of uh, like a a non-genre song. Like it's like the opening sound. It sounds like a cinematic opening, Mm -hmm. and then his like flow over it is just so. Yeah, there's something about the whole project that kind of reminded me of like the alt rock that I would listen to like in like middle school, high school. Jimmy Eat World. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you
0: telling me about how much you loved Jimmy Eat World back in the day. Oh, right? yeah. I think both of us yeah. had to take a deep breath after <laughs> that one. It's like, wow, okay.
3: <laughs> um, but then, yeah, he's just a great writer. So
0: It's true though, you know, you really can't pin him down uh, by mm-hmm. genre and I would say the same is true of you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what? how would you describe Jimmy Miller's music? And it's like, well, it's like give me a lot of hyphens and I could probably do it, you know? Um, yeah. And he's the same way, right? I mean, it's like a kindred spirit in some ways.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just a really great sense of like play and freedom uh, mm. in his music. And I think I was trying to get back to that feeling that I felt when I was in my band, like before I had my solo music, it was like, who's listening? Our friends, like we're doing whatever we want, you know? <laughs> um, and so I, I love that feeling.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Well, we've been talking to Jamila Woods' return visit to Sound Opinions on the occasion of this fantastic third studio album, Water Made Us. Thank you for giving us your time, Jamila.
3: Thank you so much for listening.
1: That wraps up our conversation with Jamila Woods. But as always, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message on our website, soundopinions.org. With your thoughts. Mr. Cott, what is on the show next week? Well, Jim, it is the beginning of a new year. We've got a bunch of songs that
0: are uh, pretty cool that uh, haven't been getting enough exposure, we believe, and uh, we're going to dig up some buried treasures uh, next week to uh, give you some of our recent favorites. And do not forget to check out our bonus podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this program belong solely to Sound Opinions and not necessarily to Columbia College Chicago or our sponsors. Thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters. Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, and our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo. Our Columbia College intern is Max Hatlam, and our social media consultant is Katie Cott.